Hello and welcome to Borked, the podcast by Geeks for Geeks. I'm your host, David Eagle. I have with me my co-hosts, Jay. Hello. And Rev. Hello. And uh, the the illustrious... Good morning, America. Good morning, wrong America. Show, wrong show. I know you're... Uh, that was, that was right. yesterday. That was yesterday. And we also have joining us uh, Big Zach Graham. How's it going, Zach? Hello, Internet. Ah, yes. With well, some of it. Salutations to a very small corner of All the internet. All six of you. Oh, <laughs> and it's us, incidentally, so. There's <laughs> like two plus us four. Yes. Uh, so we've got a great show for you lined up here, and we just finished lining it up, so we're hoping Bye. it's going to be amazing. We'll see see how it actually goes. But we want to start off with talking about what we did this week that was geeky, and I want to kick it over to Rev since he was the most adventuresome. So, Rev, take it away. What would you do that was geeky this week? Well, uh, I was in New York for a good portion of last week, and uh, a few geeky things out of that. I finished two books, Cryptonomicon and Stardust. Cryptonomicon is by uh, Neil Stevenson. Been on a Neil Stevenson kick if you didn't pick that up, but uh, it's a it's a good book about cryptography and World War II and present day internet startups and... Which is uh, Neil Steven? Or, I mean, pff, Neil Gaiman. And a very bad film. And I haven't watched the film. Oh, so uh, and it's kind of like a fantasy love story, I guess. Is the best way to put it. It's pretty good. I like. I one of the things I really like about him is how he mixes the quintessential like uh, the things that you have in a fantasy story with like the totally pure-hearted child, but then, like, uh, crass language and, like, really grotesque uh, violence. It just, I don't know, for some reason I like that. Am I weird? Probably. Uh, no, I mean, I think <laughs> I think it's, there's a lot of charm in his writing, so I agree. Um, and while I was in New York, I went to this bar called 675 Bar. Apparently I'm hilarious. <laughs> yeah, six seven five bar. I'll send you guys the link. Seventies uh, basement. Well, it's not a seventies basement. It's um, it's on a, it's in the cellar of this like twenty story building, um, and I'm sure that the building looks like it's from like the early nineteen hundreds. Anyways, they've decorated it like a seventies basement. And it's just filled with board games. Well, like, there's rooms filled with board games, and there's, like, foosball, and the whole atmosphere is just really 70s, which isn't exactly geeky, but it just felt, like, perfect for our people, you know? So if anyone is listening to this, or if anyone is going to New York or lives there, check out the 675 bar. One of the cool things they do is uh, there's... um, When you get in line to get down into the bar... They don't just let the hot chicks in, or the dude let everyone in in order, and it's all about just being there as a family. So I don't know. It was perfect for us, I think. So, uh, and that's it for my geeky week. So wait, why were you in New York? Because that was a little bit geeky, right? Oh yeah, uh, I was in New York because of the Search Engine Marketing Expo, which is the es- expo for people who do marketing on the internet, which 
basically is 80% Google, 20% not Google. So if you see stuff, when you go search, you see the stuff at the top of the page when you get results. Well, that's part of my job. So I had to learn some steps. Very cool. Very geeky. Um, you'll have to write up a big post. Moving on. Andy, <laughs> what was your week like? Did you do anything uh, geeky this week? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to draw from a few weeks since it's been a while since I've been on the old old Borked cast. Um, I went, I'm not going to get too much into this because I think we're going to talk about this later, but I went and saw the Decemberists <gasps> not too long ago. You didn't uh, I guess two Ooh. weeks ago. Uh, it was the fourth time I've seen them. I saw them at the historic Ryman Auditorium where uh, the Grand Ole Opry used to be. And they've diversified uh, their portfolio. And so <laughs> bands like the Decemberists are allowed to play there. And uh, it was a great show. It was really, really fun. Um, I'm excited. I'm going to see them next week at uh, UCLA. Wasn't it incredible seeing the Queen like live? Oh, my Lord. Yeah, she, she's got a... Was it Shara Warden? Yeah, Shara Warden. Mm-hmm. And she... Um, my brother she's Diamond? Gonna, she's, yeah, yeah, correct. She's, she's got, just got that presence. That, oh. Yeah, she rocked the um, crap out of the crowd when I saw them live. Oh my god, I've never seen anything like it. Key or whatever, and sort of having all these kind of quirks that when they perform, they're very much. Oh yeah. And yeah. and just sort of bring it in a very visceral, makes the whole package complete. Um, where it could be really sort of tired or sort of precious otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing I want to talk about, we'll, pro- we'll talk more about the Decemberists later, I'm sure. Um, is I, I went and saw that in the new movie Zombieland, uh, which was pretty extraordinary. Um, zombie zombie films have their own sort of geeky following, I think, and I'm not quite at that level, but I've seen I've seen a number of them, and it was just very very funny. I'm looking forward to that a lot. And I already mentioned my sort of innate hatred for Woody Harrelson, so. It's funny. He's a funny person to hate because I just don't feel like he would enter your world all that much, right? Well, I try like, not to let him enter my world at all, but, you know, sometimes... He's knocking on the door. Like, Dave, <laughs> let me in. <laughs> no, he's such a <laughs> passive actor, too. That's the other reason I don't get it. It's, he's not He's not like an in-your-face annoying guy. He's so laid back. Does he even raise his voice? He could, like, could he, he kind of... He's kind of... Uh, he's kind of irritating in the in the in Zombieland. He sort of plays an alpha male kind of character. Which is fun, because I feel like you don't, like you said, um, you know, it's not like Cheers, Woody Harrelson. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like the badass zombie killing Woody Yeah, Harrelson. same kind of character you played in No Country for Old Men, kind of stuck up, I'm the bestest ever. Yeah. Yeah. It might just be yeah. his face, to be honest. <laughs> or the fact that he sounds exactly like Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah. the original Matthew McConaughey. He's the original Matthew McConaughey, actually. Uh, all right, well, mo- moving on. Jay, what did you do this week that was geeky? Uh, well, not to give too much of a an away, but I played... Uh, Benson came over, and him and I went through Arkham Asylum. Uh, as far as we Yay! can get in a... How many hours? Like a six-hour six hour period straight of uh, just playing, like swapping the controller and going at it. And uh, it was a lot of fun. I'm not going to spoil it, because when we finished the game, we didn't get through it. Um... We're gonna kind of do a wrap-up sort of, you know, sort of thing. But uh, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. I think it's a really high-quality game. I'm really looking forward to uh, to beating it. Like it's really hard to not play it while he's away for the weekend. So, uh, well, there'll be more about that soon. And that's a pretty geeky game. And uh, that's about pre-question. It. Yeah. 
Uh, are you or or is Benson better at the game? <laughs> better? Ooh. Yeah, who's better at being Batman? <laughs> really, in real life, too. It's a, it's a tough question, question because a lot of the, like the the oh damn that sucked like I almost got that kind of encounters. I was the one who ended up beating it, but the last time Benson touched the controller was uh, a group of uh, Arkham inmates, three of them with weapons, uh, one with a stun baton, and like another four with nothing. He didn't get hit a single time and dropped every single one of them. Nice. Him and I both looked at each other and we were like, oh my god. It was rad. <laughs> it was so sweet. And that's, uh, just to talk, to make it more of a, a statement that's about a larger sort of thing I enjoy in games, I really, really like games that give you the ability through practice and repetition, uh, not at a ridiculous level, uh, to feel like you are a complete and utter badass. I love that. I love it. I love it. I love it. That's why I like Halo, even now, though Halo's hey, horrible. That's why. Question for you, Jay. Yeah. What's up? Um, you know, you know how there's that combo meter that sort of builds up, mm-hmm. like as you successfully punch guys in the face without getting punched in the back of the head. Right. Um, in real life, what do you think your your combo could get to? Uh, zero. If you were surrounded by clown faced <laughs> inmates. Zero. Yep. Zero. I don't. You don't think you get I just get, like two I hits one. in. I could probably get one hit on the guy before the other guy hit me in the back of the head. Just guessing. Cool. Yep. Wow. Well. I'm glad we <laughs> yeah, cleared bad. that up. That, if we weren't if we weren't geeks before, that conversation is the ultimate. In just just so all of our listeners know, if you ever go to San Diego Comic Con, if you ever go to Dragon Con, if you ever go to any of these places, you will hear that template applied to every <laughs> geeky thing that you could imagine. Like if you were really a level fourteen cleric. In real life, and you had these spells. What? How, how many? How, just I'm just gonna ask. I'm just gonna ask. How many level ten guys could you take down at once? Every single one of them. And you will get an honest response, and it will be probably a little bit self-deprecating. Like I don't know, man. With some like, mathematics, I'm guessing. Like I don't have any racials, you know. Like Do a number humans, crunch. There's no racial. Anyways, <laughs> you get an extra feet, though, don't you? Oh, God, that was so geeky just then. Oh, my <laughs> Lord. I've not heard oh, it in a while. So, Zach, what have you been up to this week? Anything geeky? What's going on? Oh, wow. I I forget I'm on the show when we're recording because just like, just like <laughs> listening to the podcast, and I'm like, oh, man, that's so funny. Ha, ha. I forget I'm actually guest. But <laughs> two things I've done. That are, I guess, kind of geeky, simply because it's October and, you know, about to be Halloween. Um, first one, I went and purchased uh, Dead Space for my PS3. And I think that was kind of a mistake because... It was a PS3. That game, yeah, I know. No, no oh. this game's horrifying, and I can't... <laughs> I've, I've had it for, like, two weeks now. I'm not past the second level because it's just... It's it's horrible. It's, it's an amazing game, but, like... It's so scary. I don't know. I, I, don't know if I have that game. It. I haven't started it yet. Don't start it. Just don't. Oh, I love yeah. the scary stuff. I love it. <laughs> I don't think you do. Remember that time when we tried to play Resident Evil in the apartment we all lived in with all of our ladies there? And we're like, oh, my God, around the corner. And we, none of us could go further in playing the game. Yeah. There was that. Yeah. That was pretty yeah, interesting. Dude. Resident Evil's not even, like, scary, to be honest. 
don't know. But uh, the second thing that I did because it's October is uh, I am rereading I Am Legend by uh, Richard Matheson, the amazing author. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any of you have read that, but if you want like a really kind of, I guess, geeky kind of scientific take on vampires and why they exist and why they do what they do, definitely read that book. So, wait, in I Am Legends, the book, they are vampires? Yes, they are, they are vampires through and through. Uh, in the movie, I know they kind of look like zombies. They are zombies in the movie. No, they're, they're vampires, but no. they look like zombies. Really? Because the back of the DVD case said vampires, and I just about had a fit, because I'm like, they are not. But they are? Yeah, they're, they're totally vampires, yeah. Yep. They never... Yeah, I don't how think can, that was... uh, this, this may be a tangent, but how could all those vampires sort of get by without eating people? And how are they right? mindless? Because he's like... Well, in the book, yeah. uh, they eat each other. So, yeah. Gross. That's, yeah, it's kind of disgusting. The book is, is so much better than the Will Smith movie. The, the movie was... I think it was pretty good, but not... I don't know if you if you take it as like a separate entity, something other than the book, is like other than an adaptation of the book, it was good. But if you you know if you read the book and then see the movie, it's going to be horrible. Yeah, I I liked the movie because I love Will Smith in anything. Like I just think he's such a great leading man. But uh, and that might be a fault. I don't know if it is. It may be, but I'm okay with it. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that yeah. I didn't really enjoy the movie that much, except for the fact that it was Will Smith. He's like wow. the new Denzel. That's totally acceptable. Yeah, I don't even uh, like Denzel. <laughs> he's alright. Wow. He's he's got talent. Oh, I respect him as an actor, but I don't like him the same way I like Will Smith. Let's talk more <laughs> about you your like Will Smith. for Will Smith. I like him in, in the gay way, pretty much. Do you like like him? No, you like, like I checked the box. You know, he sent me that letter. Do you do you like me? Yes or no? You know, yes, the boxes. No. <laughs> I checked yes. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. And you sent it back down the yeah. aisle. Yeah, down the aisle. And he's like, wow. that's good. And we talked to you know, snack. Tremendous. Well, I'm glad to hear you've been getting some some reading in there, Zach. I know you're a busy guy, so that's uh, it's good news. And thanks for the recommendation. I may pick it up. I am extremely, extremely backlogged with books right now from, yeah. uh, let's see, last Christmas, and it's now October, so that's bad news. I'm. It's a must read, in my opinion. It's amazing. A must All right. read. Damn. Why do you got to pull that? Must read. Seriously. Okay, well, I guess it's my turn to talk about what I did. I'm still trying to finish Spook Country by William Gibson. I get a couple chapters in a day, every day or so, and I'm still enjoying it. But, it, you know, like any Gibson book, you have to like his writing style, which is – it can be tough. And you also have to be committed to the story because it doesn't always necessarily hook you. And I usually wouldn't like that, but um, Gibson's stories are so interesting and, like, kind of unique – that I'm willing to suffer at times to get the whole picture. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm trying to wrap up with Spook Country, which is a couple of years old, and I still have it in hardback. I don't know why. I guess I bought it a couple of years ago, and I just haven't finished it. And then I found where my wife has been hiding all my other books, so I'm going to be able to get back to... Um, it's not Cryptonomicon, it's the other one, uh, Anathema. Anathema. So that one's better. It is better? Yeah, it's way better. We talked about this. I don't. I think we were not on a podcast when we were talking about it, but I told you like where I was roughly in the story, and you were like, oh, it's about to get good. Um, and I was like, oh, that's good, because I'm like 200. <laughs> so good. 200 of 1,100 pages into it, so if it wants to pick up any time, that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's – don't worry. You're there. 
basically. I'm on the cuspus. Yes, very much so. Very right, cool. Um, and then I also did, you know, recently, Rev, when you guys got back from PAX, your wife was telling me that um, she wants to become a cosplayer because she wants to dress up in well, steampunk. I think she um, wants to wear that every day. All the time, right. I guess it's not really cosplay then. It's just really play. dressing in steampunk all the time. She wants. Yeah. Oh, I got super confused because I thought you were saying lacrosse. Player, yeah. and I didn't understand how that was steampunk at all. She wants to play her some lacrosse. So, <laughs> like, I guess the net is kind of futuristic. The net, net stick with the net on it. I don't know. Wow. So, in response to that, I kind of added something to my Netflix queue, and then um, I I opened my Netflix, and I didn't even remember adding it to my queue, but it popped into the mailbox, and I was like, "What is this?" I open it up. It's always like Christmas when you get Netflix. I open it up and I'm like, oh, "The Rocketeer." Yes. Oh, yes. So Did you hear like four simultaneous yeses right there. <laughs> that was amazing. So I definitely, I definitely watched me some Rocketeer this week, which is still an awesome, awesome film. And you guys need to go out and watch it. It's just Ooh, what's um who's the who's the lady in that again? The oh. main chick. I don't know, but she's yes. just as amazing. Jennifer. Jennifer. Yep. Twelve. What, what was her, is it Connolly? Jennifer yeah, Connolly? Jennifer Connolly, that's right. She has not aged since that movie yeah, came out. And I, unfortunately, she may be a vampire. It, yeah, it's too inappropriate <laughs> to mention on the show, but I always remember what Fat said about Jennifer Connolly. And if you can remember that, Andy, good for you. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, so let's just wrap it up the Jennifer Connolly discussion by saying she, she makes men want to do things that are less than savory sometimes. No comment. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Uh, it's, that's definitely an authentic statement, and I don't want to know what Fats might have said, but Fats... I'll tell you off the air. Yeah, tell me off the air. <laughs> I kind of want to, like, pause... Never mind, let's just keep going. Let's, let's, <laughs> no. Let's no need to sully the podcast. Yeah, we want to keep our... We still have, like, a, a family-friendly rating on iTunes somehow. I don't know how. Oh, I we got to get rid of that. So we got to listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> when it happens, we'll be like, oh... Someone listen to us. Exactly. Like, like, oh, from cool. them, they'll be like, uh, you know you guys swore a lot, right? I mean, not everyone, <laughs> but just Jay primarily. And at Rev replies, another listener. <laughs> Let's just systematically say the F word every 15 minutes. <laughs> and we'll get that explicit rating. Yeah, it might not be bad. No, I, I would love to not have that. So let's it might not. bump us up in the ratings. Yeah. All right. Oof. So Kids, kids love the swearing. I heard that. <laughs> Is that what That's they love? They it. create it. They love swearing and meth. <laughs> That's why I do that too. Obviously. <laughs> Not projecting. <laughs> oh man. Well, let's move on to the news of the week. Oh, kids love swearing and meth. That might be the title of the episode. <laughs> Weekly news. Um, some of this stuff people don't care about. I'm kind of excited about Rock Band on the iPhone, which is going to be coming out pretty soon. I know, Jay, you said you don't care. Oh, no, I didn't say that. I said, what? Oh, that was you. Well, somebody didn't care. Uh, Maybe that was Zach. Zach, Zach, do you care? Zach doesn't care about Rock Band on the iPhone, and I... Oh. Um, I think in the article it says something about being possibly like $5. And I think whatever you have to say, it just... That, that's an incredible price point, right? Well, right. how many I mean, songs you get. I, I looked at the song list. It was pretty pretty strong, but Pixies are on there. Really? Um, yeah. 
the presidents of the United States of America are on there. So oh, if you're if you're in 1996, that's awesome. I need to be some she's Gump. I just can't see, (laughs) unless you're at home, I can't see you playing that game somewhere. No, headphones? Come on, the bus? No, like, people are going to think you're, like, having a epileptic seizure. People always think that about us, and it's usually true. Half the time. (laughs) But it is kind of interesting, because the rock band is sort of all about the the sort of illusion of of rock stardom, right? Like, Like, the illusion that you're making the music, and... Mm-hmm. And sort of all these the buttons on your iPhone, it sort of loses that that element. Yeah, no, I I'm, can see that. I, I can agree. see how it'd be less fun with that sort of control scheme. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not saying it would be less fun. I'm just saying I could understand it if it were. Let's hope it's. I mean, if it's five dollars worth of fun, I would be happy. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. As we've said previously in the the pre-show, five dollars worth of fun on the iPhone is a really complicated statement. All right. Not if you're doing the right stuff. Well, please enlighten me. <laughs> uh, we got the family-friendly rating. <laughs> All right. Wow. Great. So Rock Band of that uh, later this month, and it could be awesome. We make no promises. You know what, guys? I will – I'll buy it, and I'll let you know. Wow, you're gonna put It'll a be on, apps like I'm gonna spend five dollars on this podcast. It will be the first and last. I don't think that's true. <laughs> Just for you guys. So let's go. PSP Go is not going. So some of you from the actually Zach, why don't you Zach, why don't you tell us what the PSP Go is? I think it's stupid. First, just like right <laughs> off the bat, I'm just gonna get that out there. But it's essentially a PSP with no UMD drive. Do you have a PSP? No, I don't have any portable gaming systems whatsoever. Because I think we've gone over this. Like, I don't really have time, but even if I did, I'd want to be at home, you know, on the big screen, playing games and, you know, watching movies, all that. But uh, the PSP Go is basically the PSP with no UMD drive, and it's all flash memory, like 16 gigs, I think. And you acquire games solely by downloading them off of the PlayStation Network. Right, which is kind of a cool concept. I mean, that, that like, diskless game it is a neat idea. You download it, and that, that, that it's the direction it seems like that everything is going, especially with what we're seeing from Netflix streaming, broadly expanding their offerings and stuff, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But there are a couple of problems attached to that, and one of the problems is something... I talk about what you see as an issue with... Uh, you said some brick-and-mortar stores not carrying this device because... Uh, I, I was trying to find the exact article, but there was a specific store, I believe in the UK, I don't think it was in America, where they uh, outright refused to stock the PSP Go, specifically because, I don't know if you're aware, but most of the consoles that the brick-and-mortar stores sell, uh, they don't make any money whatsoever um, on the actual console uh, that is considerable. It might be like 5 or $10.00. Um, on a, I mean, on a three hundred dollar item, that's not much of an upsell. So they are concerned about attach rates, and that's why, like the uh, the used game trade is so lucrative is is just because it's you get so much more money from selling games than you do selling the systems. Yeah. So. If you remove the games, like if you buy the PSP Go, obviously you're going to be buying it offline. So what's the 
point in a retailer trying to sell the PSP Go when they could sell the PSP because all of the game makers have said that they're still going to make the UMD versions. So kind of shooting themselves in the foot every PSP Go they sell. Yeah, that's true. That's one more customer that is never going to come back to your store to buy portable games. But, I mean, aside from that, as a, as a gamer myself that has a PSP, I have a PSP, I have a DS, I have an iPhone. Um, yeah, I do. Wow. And I just I don't see myself wanting a device from Sony that... I have to rely on them for my digital mm-hmm. software. I think it's funny that you um, finished that sentence with anything. You should have just added that to Sony. But sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I trust Apple with my, uh, as much as I probably shouldn't, I trust Apple my, with my digital purpose, purchases just because of iTunes. They have such a blanket out there with iTunes in general for music and videos that I can't see them being able to screw me over with uh, my app content. But Sony, my problem is, is although they do have the PS3 store where you can download the uh, digital-only games, um, past that, they don't really have anything. So it's kind of like uh, if they decide one day, you know what, we're not going to do this digital thing anymore, uh, then I'm kind of screwed, you know? And I don't, even my device can't even uh, use the UMD games. And I can't buy used games either. And as much as I don't buy used games, just as a general user, I wouldn't be able to buy used games anymore. So I have to pay retail price unless there's a sale. So I, it just doesn't seem like... If, if a gamer sits down and thinks about it, he's got limited storage, he's got uh, limited venues that he can purchase things, he has to be online to buy new games, uh, he, you know... The list goes on and on. He can't sell his games back. I mean, you got both sides of the coin for used games, as long as that will stay in reality. It's also uh, a lot smaller than the PSP, and for someone such as myself with larger-than-average hands, I don't know. Might be a problem. Mm. Yeah, I mean... They say about guys with big hands. Or big gloves. They have gaming issues. That they can't (laughs) use PSP Go. Can't use PSP Go. In addition to those... um, sort of financial issues. Apparently, they're having some problems with... uh, The PSP Go comes with vouchers for three games of your choice. And you can log in and download these games. The problem is a lot of... I guess downloadable games are available for the PSP, the traditional PSP. Is that an authentic statement? That is true. Yes, it is. Do you have to have a PlayStation 3 to do that? Oh, that I don't know. I don't know either. Well, a lot of people, it seems, have been going onto their PlayStation 3, downloading the games, and then somehow transferring them to the PSP, which seems completely reasonable. However, with the new model, if you download it onto your PS3, so you get a PSP Go game, you purchase it with your voucher, you download it onto your PS3, it becomes locked to that specific hardware. And when you want to transfer it to your PSP Go, you can. And that seems like a little oversight kind of thing, and I'm sure that they are going to correct that. But it is the sort of thing that when you have that at the launch of a new product, it's going to slow adoption and it's going to make people hesitate. So um, bad move. On the other hand, I haven't seen any marketing for the PSP Go whatsoever at all. Well, there's that one thing, right? No. I've seen print ads. There was a well, commercial today it. while watching uh, uh, Sunday football. So there's their marketing right there. Okay, that's all right. what I have to say about that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, just uh, 
heads up, if you want a PSP Go, don't, it's probably going to... Don't want one. That's our <laughs> advice. Don't get want Get an one. iPhone? PSP, stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. If you want a PSP Go, understand that you may have to order it online and understand that, you know, you may have to be careful about how you procure your software. Um, if you want it, we assume that you know why you want it, so our recommendation or our, you know, whatever, speaking against it shouldn't have any effect on you. Um, just because it's not necessarily up our alley. I happen to have a PSP. I played it extensively for just about a year and really enjoyed a lot of... Yeah. What did you yeah. play on it? There were a lot of good games. Uh, yeah. Lord one. of the Rings was amazing. Um, There's like a Splinter Cell or something akin to that. like Metal Gear. Yeah. There was some Metal Gear Acid. Yeah, that, yeah. that was it, Metal Gear Acid. So there were some solid titles. Um, Puzzle games. You really played it? Yeah. You're not just saying this. No, no, no. I would say, Jay, it's, to to give you it's a good a great piece of hardware. Yeah, to give you a good uh, kind of visual, the PSP versus the DS is kind of like the GameCube versus the original Xbox or PlayStation Two, where you just had an extremely much more powerful system. Oh no! I'm... And you get way like, it, but there was actually good titles on it, like at the Xbox, even though it was it was the original. Xbox, like they they had trouble getting titles on it at the beginning. It's kind of the same thing with the PSP, and it's just it's it's really easy to use, and like it had internet connectivity from the beginning. It did updates, um, it had movies. It was really easy to hack. <clears throat> <laughs> so wait, why does nobody care about it then? Because I don't uh, care about it first of all. Cause it's because because the DS is so accessible and it was a lot cheaper. Yeah, and... because the the PS the PSP was what two ninety nine. Yeah. That is expensive. Yeah, the DS expensive. came out at a yeah. buck forty nine, which is extremely accessible. And the DS, you know, the, the I, I see the PSP as a lot more of a gamer's gaming platform. The DS, anybody could have fun with the DS. Yeah. Like sixty percent of the games on the DS are all just straight up twelve or younger. Um, but PSP has definitely has mature content, and I mean the DS has mature content, but it's maybe like four or five games a year. And honestly, the movie thing, even though that it really didn't catch on, it, oh, the movie thing worked really well for me because, awesome. um, like on flights or long car drives, that was back when laptop batteries sucked, and they still kind of suck. And unless you have uh, a really good laptop or you have uh, Electricity on your flight. Um, still, the PSP is the only way to get so uh, in movie flight. In the pre-iPhone world, it made sense. Yeah, pre-iPhone. One of these. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right, I can handle that statement. Yeah. Well, then let's move on to our last news item. Andy, why don't you tell us about this last news? You have the document, I assume. Let's see. Yeah. Um, I've just I haven't looked at this, so I'm just going to read this straight off here, and you'll get my my total gut reaction. Yes, do it. Mystery of Science Theater 3000, finally on Netflix streaming. Thank God, this is the best news <laughs> oh ever. My Lord. You know what I'm doing after this podcast, and, right? Yeah, I may have to leave early. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do a party Let me tell you a little... Guys, party viewing. Seriously. Oh, good idea. It's, it's like, it's like two-tier. Them The and universe us. just exploded. <laughs> I went out, I went out uh, two weeks ago, I kid you not, um... I don't know if you, any of you have seen the the classic episode Pod People. Oh yeah, right. Like it's. I think it's the best episode I've ever seen. Really? I tracked. It, I went to Manos? like four different. Um. Yeah, I think it's better than Manos. Wow. Oh wow. But, 
Yeah, that serious, serious praise. But I went, I went to four different used media stores to, and I finally found a copy on VHS for like fifteen dollars, wow. and I bought it. And I had some friends who wanted to watch it, and so we had to track down a VCR, which was about an hour away. It was the closest person we knew had a VCR still working, <laughs> and and we still we still went through all this. So we could so we could watch that episode. So this is this is, this is pod amazing people news. Or an invasion of the pod people. Uh, straight straight up regular pod people. Straight up pod people, yeah. OG, right. OG we don't pod mess people. Here. We don't like you know. <laughs> oh, the invasion of the pod people might have been pretty good too. Mm -hmm. Catch my drift. <laughs> now what's your drift? Well, uh, Zach, uh, what? <laughs> Zach, are you familiar with MST3K? Uh, no, not really. Oh, oh no. no. Dude, do you have Netflix? No, you, have you don't, because you have an Xbox, okay. you have a PS3. I, I do have Netflix, so screw you. You do? Okay. Well, this would, be, this would be the time to uh to invest, you know, some of your life in this show. Yeah. Well, wait, do you have a 360, though? No. No? Then no, Why you would can't I have a 360? watch this crap with us. Yeah, he, well, he oh, yeah. still needs to watch it. Listen, I can folks. watch it on my PS3, and, like, we can all, uh, what is it? I can call you guys. No. Yeah, let's do a show. <laughs> Zach. You can get a party line. It'll be awesome. <laughs> you know what we should do? Get we on should, IRC. Uh, next week, maybe, we should podcast ourselves watching MST3K. Yes. <laughs> just be us laughing. It would just be us laughing. But it would be so freaking meta. It would be amazing. I would, I would, would. listen to that us and laugh at jokes. us laughing. So. <laughs> Like it actually might make the movie totally serious. <laughs> it might, yeah, it might redeem the movie. Like if you if you cut out the sound and just play that, us laughing to the, to, in time to the movie when we were watching it with no other sound whatsoever. Oh god. <sighs> all right. Anyway, Zach, please, and all of you, all of you who are listening right now, if you have never watched an episode of Mystery Science Theater three thousand, whether or not you have an Xbox three hundred and sixty with Netflix streaming, you need to go out and make that happen. So if that means Riding your bike down to Blockbuster, if that means just signing up for a regular DVD from Netflix, which they still do for an another couple months at least, <laughs> um, by all means, do whatever is necessary. And recommended episodes will be in the show notes. I'm Andy is saying, pod people, um, I'm a big fan of Manos, Hands of Fate, as I know a couple of, of the... Um, but we'll we'll try to throw those in there and please check it out. Please watch it. It is some of the funniest stuff you'll ever see. Just to, for those of you who haven't seen it, what they do is they take an old bad movie and they Very have bad. they have comedians, writers write a script essentially that's making fun of the movie, and then they'll go in and they'll film it with you know it is as if these two robots and this guy are watching this movie and making fun of it, and it's hilarious and great. It's better It's better than when your dumbass friends sit around making fun of it. <laughs> it's so much better. I see all the concept and would seem, would seem dumb. Drunk. It's still better than that. Yeah. Well, alright. Let's uh, move on to to the... What are we calling it this week? The meat of the wang? Uh, no. The wang of the dong. That... <laughs> That is not. One more time, and you're going to kick us up the We're going to hit that filter. <laughs> All right, well, let's finish. We've we got to get through this podcast because we need to watch us some MST3K. So let's yeah, go so on. We're to officially the middle hurrying of the now. 
Yes, we are now in a hurry. Uh, Google Wave, we all like it. It's great. Geek music. No. We should talk about Google <laughs> Wave a little bit more. Google came out with this thing called Google Wave, which is a, a nod to Firefly. They admit that it's a nod to Firefly. That's awesome. That's so cool they did that. And uh, if you don't know what Firefly is or why Google or why the word wave is a nod to Firefly, you should be ashamed and then you should go to Best Buy. In this order, be ashamed first. Go to Best Buy and, and get the whole Pretend you're Catholic. The whole one season, yes. <laughs> the whole one season of Firefly and take it home and watch all of it, probably in one day. Um, and then watch the movie Serenity and cry. And then and watch the episodes and cry more. And then watch the episodes again and cry more. <laughs> Um, and, and that's pretty much what we want you to do, and, and then throw in some MST3K. But getting back to Google Wave, and then you'll feel better you'll be, after that. You'll essentially be one of us. Yeah, you'll feel better. Um, getting back to Google Wave, I can't imagine that any of you don't know what Google Wave is, but I'm going to give you a brief overview, and then people are going to correct my overview. And then since a couple of us have had the opportunity to preview Google Wave, thanks to uh, a friend of ours who, who's a raider with us and who is on Twitter, um, and got us some wave hookups, which is Geek Girl Diva. Thanks a lot for the wave invites. That's we awesome. You. Um, since since we've been able to play with it for the last couple of days, we're going to give you our thoughts and impressions of Google Wave. So first, I want to tell you what it is. Google Wave is kind of a mix between what you would think of. It's it started off as email, and Google had in mind the idea that they wanted to make it more collaborative than a traditional email, where an email is a single copy of a document that gets forwarded around and added to and all this stuff, but it's easy to get out of sync, and it's also easy to get a million of them for the same subject line in your inbox. Mm-hmm. The way the wave works is almost like a thread in a forum where it has all the replies, um, chronological, and then you can add replies in the middle if you want to. And or it, edit a reply, anyone's reply. It's true. You can edit replies, and you can embed uh, gadgets, you can drop images into the wave, you can drop... In our waves, we have a bunch of YouTube videos, which are awesome, mm-hmm. um, in one of our waves. So you can do all this stuff, and then if you want, you can play the wave back and watch the... And I'm doing it right now. You can watch the order in which it was created and see kind of the progress of you know, who did what and, and when they did it, who removed what, who added what, all kinds of stuff. So um, you can see people being added. You can see embed items being added. You can see replies. You can see entire conversations that have since been deleted, like um, on our wave when Rev couldn't figure out how to get a YouTube video in, and then I had to explain it to him, and then he said it was worse than the compression of, on my voice in the podcast. Mm-hmm. And then I told him he was a jerk. Um <laughs> Like you can, you can, <laughs> you can see the entire collaborative process, and then what the end result is, which is you know what your wave looks like currently. And the really cool thing is, you can then add people to this wave, you can remove people from the wave, and uh, it's just this really flexible tool. And if you don't know what it is, if you want to know more about it, you should go to google.com forward slash wave and watch the video they have there. It's about it's an hour really long, long, but it shows, but it's cool. it shows absolutely everything. And Google's goal for the wave is that it is going to be. Uh, sort of the replacement for email. That yeah. years from now there won't be email anymore. So let's start with that as the jumping off point. Um, Jay, what do you think about that? Do you think that this will be a replacement for email down the road? Uh, yeah, I think it could do that. But what it right now at the moment, what it feels like more to me is it's the functionality that when we talked about um, Twitter in the maybe two podcasts ago, and uh, Rev, you were talking about the things you loved about Twitter and the way you wanted to use it. That's what this feels like it's going to be, like the way 
um, you know, uh, where the people you care about, you know, the, the topics you care about, you can talk about them in a thread-like fashion in a way that's easy to monitor and pay attention to. So yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty close. Um, the only difference is you have to invite people, I guess. Well, yeah, but once you've done that, I mean, it's not hard to invite them, and it's not difficult. And yeah, I think I think one of the things they're going to add maybe is a, a stock invite sort of thing, where it's anytime I'm going to send a wave of something I thought was hilarious, I'm going to want to send it to you, Dave, you know, Geek Girl Diva, and Wagon, like all these people, I'm going to want to send it. So that maybe they'll have like a, a pre-invite template or something like that. You know? Well, they already have it, it. It runs off of the Google Contacts app, which right. is actually it's been split off into its own app for about six months now, and that allows you to create groups. So that already exists. Cool. Well, so there you way to go. Yeah. So I mean, if it integrates that, then that's exactly what I'm looking for in that aspect of it. Yeah, and Rev, what do you think? Email replacement, something a little different and not an email replacement? What are your thoughts? Um, well, my brain always goes to logistics. Uh, and I'm going to try to get past that after I, my first caveat is adoption, 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 adoption. Yeah. Um, I did notice that, I don't know if you guys notices, noticed this, but we all have new email addresses almost. So you've got cdeagle at googlewave.com, which I just added you. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, so if you hover over the contact list on the left-hand side and click on someone, you can see that email address. I tried emailing that as a, another rabbit trail, and it does nothing at this time. Um, I wonder if in the future it will be like you could replace your Google Mail with your Wave, and someone who doesn't have... Google Wave on that email address, mm-hmm. it just treats us like a, a normal mail, which uh, interesting. is is an interesting thought. I don't know, obviously, how that's going to go, but it, what sort of lends to your thought, Dave, is that they've set it up just like an inbox. Um, it says inbox, it's set up like uh, Gmail is set up, it's got uh, the categories on the left, like Gmail set up. So it really feels like that's kind of what they're going towards. Obviously, I mean, if you think back to what a wave is in Serenity, Firefly, it's basically email. So I think that's what they want. I agree with you. Whether or not it's going to happen, I don't know. Like, my biggest thing is that um, it's, uh, I don't know, it's, I'm making judgments that are just, it's too early. It is. I think it really is. It's just impressions. Don't worry about it. What are your impressions? Yeah. My impressions are that it's kind of sticky. Like, the whole app is kind of sticky. And uh, it just, I'm not sure. I don't know. No, I think I'm... They're using, I don't know if you guys are familiar. Yeah, they're they're using uh, Google, Google, gosh, what is it? Google Webmaster? No, that's not it. Anyways, uh, they're using this thing where you write a Java app, mm-hmm. and then their application then translates it into JavaScript and HTML. And so what we're looking at actually is written in Java, basically. Yeah. But as an Internet user who doesn't know what that means, how does that as it Well, to a savvy user, I can tell why the app is kind of sticky. Oh, okay. like so. You're you're in terms of behind it. 
I'm see, yeah, I'm seeing the the latency in the actions that I do and the kind of bugginess and yeah, and, yeah. you know, um, I definitely see all that stuff as well. And it, you know, it's something that they're going to have to resolve. But look at Gmail. Yeah. And Gmail, if you think about comparing Gmail to what we used to have, what, what did we have before? We had Hotmail, we had Yahoo. Think about the functionality built into Gmail and, and also the, just the, it, I want to say, I'm going to throw this word out there and I don't know if it works or not, but it's, it's transparency is the word that occurs to me. It's user interface almost ceases to exist because it is in no doing what you want to do at the moment that you want to do it. Yeah, I think transparency is good for that. And right now, Google Wave doesn't have that sort of transparency. The interface is still, it still gets between you and what you want to do sometimes. Yeah, that's much more like I have Docs. noticed that a lot. That it, it, like, it takes me a while. It took me a while to figure things out. I thought it would be a lot more seamless and easy and, frankly, Google-like um, when I first tried it. And what I wanted to do, just as an example, because the only people I have on my friends list, that's kind of the bummer about it, is I only have like four people I can fiddle around doing things with, because not everyone has invites, um, is I wanted, I made an invent, a, a, an event invitation, and I sent to M. Weigand for uh, watching the Sounders game next weekend. I'm like, oh, this will be cool. I can send him, you know, a picture and uh, the are you going yes or no thing, and I can send him the kind of, you know, just all the stuff you'd want on there, a map to the place it's going to be at, all that sort of stuff. And it took me probably about 15 minutes, really, uh, well, maybe 10, to get it together from scratch. And so for one part of me is like, cool, look what I can do with Wave. And the other part was like, should it really have taken that long? Yeah. So... Yeah, and and there's that. And I think part of that, though, is um, just the amount of functionality that they built into it, and they haven't had time to hone the UI. But I'm talking more about just clicking between things and scrolling and those basic functions, if that makes sense. Yeah. A lot of that still holds you down. Um, What I do think is interesting and what what I think gives them the only chance of – really spreading this and what also explains the email address that we've been given is that wave in instead of just being a google product wave is an open protocol so they've they're going to make it fully you know fully accessible for people to to develop on fully accessible for people to implement into products so what i'm thinking is instead of seeing people What's that? iPhone app. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously that's going to be huge. But instead of seeing people um, try to replace email with this, we're probably going to see this start to get packaged with a lot of email clients. And so, in exchange, if you've got a, your administrators are running Exchange servers, and you've got um, Microsoft Outlook running your, you know, your desktop email client. By 2012, probably, you'll be seeing email and you'll be seeing the ability to receive new waves. That's just my guess. Um, the other interesting thing is that the wave is super, like, it's all on server side. None of it is on the client side. Hmm. And why that's interesting is it resolves a huge problem that email has always had, which is that any email can be spoofed to come from any address. Hmm. And it's also really easy to kind of sniff email in transit or to divert email in transit. So I see that there's a potential for increasing security of email, and I think that's always a good thing. Yeah. 
So let me just, I don't want to linger on this topic for too long, but overall, I really like Google Wave. Um, one of the things I really like is going in and seeing when one of my waves has been updated and that it has new messages. Uh, that's kind of huge. I really enjoy that. I also like the music wave that we have going on. I think that's fun and we need to add to it. Sorry I deleted your Beyonce thing, Jay. It wasn't a Beyonce thing. It was a Pomplamoose thing. Yeah, well. Would I ever link Beyonce? I don't know. Come on. You've gone off the rails recently. Okay. Off the rails? All right, Dave. Just rein me in. It'll be fine. I'll try. <laughs> so um, how how accessible are invites to this right now? In. Do we know? They're very hard to come by. Yeah. Very hard to come by. I'm not going to tell you what I had to do, but it... It was gross. <laughs> I don't want to talk Family about friendly, it. Family-friendly, Dave. Way. Family, exactly. I want to keep our rating. Well, if any of the if any of our you know listeners out there have a handful lying around, toss them, toss them all to you. Toss them all to Andy toss so he can eat handful. the waves. This sounds this sounds very cool to me. Yeah, I mean it's a fun. It's definitely more collaborative. It's a fun experience. I, I kind of wonder if we're going to see more internet communication go in this direction in the future, not just email, but um, yeah, that's like exactly your. Touching on it perfectly, Dave. The the thing that we haven't really t- well, we kind of talked about it were the the gadgets, the modules that you can stick in here, and the ones they have right now are like the yes, no, maybe, and then the Google Maps. But I, as a developer, like the first night that I got this, I spent like an hour and a half learning how to develop for Google Wave, and within twenty minutes, I had something. In the actual Google Wave, it's broken right now, so I can't show you it. <laughs> but uh, I had something in the Google Wave pulling some data from my company servers and serving it up in my Google Wave. Cool. And so you can consider, I mean, we'll take Netflix. We could have, uh, Netflix could write a gadget for Google Waves where we could share the movies, uh, like movies, the kind of badge thing that Netflix has for each movie, we could share those badges in Google Wave, so we could share movies that way uh, and see ratings that we've given it and stuff like that. So there's endless possibilities with bringing the data from other services into Google Wave. That's kind of the... It's the next generation of email is bringing the data of the Internet. And we've kind of seen that in um, our Gmail, where if you guys use the... Uh, labs version of Gmail, you'll notice that you can have it auto-load in your YouTube videos or your Flickr and uh, Google's image service. Or it, if someone links to... So, like, if I link to Yelp, if I link to Flickr, if I link to YouTube, um, if I link to Google Maps, it automatically loads that up in the email. And that's kind of, I think, where they got the idea for Google Wave because they wanted to be able to bring in the rest of the net into your inbox. Yeah, and if you think about it, it's also, I mean, one of the, <laughs> one of the cool things about Google Reader is the ability to share. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just this whole, they're, they're really bringing a lot of things together here, and I think it's compelling. I think it's kind of moving moving everything in that direction. I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast or if I, we had this conversation sort of prior to the podcast, but it's moving things more in that direction of you're not logging in necessarily to your different websites. You're just kind of logging into your internet where everything is. And, that, and that's what 
that's what Go- yeah, and that's what Google Reader started to give us. Where it's not like I browse all these different websites anymore. You know, I, I want. I thought of a shirt while I was while I was um, walking the dog the other day. I thought of this shirt that uh, it's just the Google logo, and it says something like, "I think my my <laughs> my thought at, that popped into my head fully formed was, I'm a Google Reader, and so can you." I'm a- like this idea <laughs> that. There, there's no more just widespread data all over the internet that we need to grab. It's just we, we bring it all to one place. We make it convenient. We package it for ourselves. We watch it when it updates. We watch the updates, and we can grab those easily. I see Wave as a progression, like a, a move in that direction where everything is going to be brought under this one umbrella. And pretty soon, uh, Google is going to own the entire internet and us. <laughs> well, I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited for the day when I can get Google waved with people being like, "Hey." Check out this wedding dance video. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be and awesome. It will be embedded right in the wave. Right in the wave. <laughs> Beautiful. It'll be inescapable. It'll be. It'll. It'll crash like right you, over. We'll me. You invite the entire internet to that one like, wave. Look at this. You won't have a choice. They'll be like, look at this wedding dance video, and it'll be too late. That's well, that's goal. another. That's another fascinating thing. How many people can be on one wave? Because we're not talking about forwarding a wave to your friends anymore. Everybody's in it. We're talking about adding all of your friends to the wave, and when you start doing stuff like that, this could get ridiculous. Yeah. Something goes viral, you've got 20 million people on one wave. But at least it'll be the same wave. Ride it, bro. And you can delete that wave. That's true. <laughs> and and should. Yeah, you can delete other people's crap waves. Like, look at this wedding video. Deleted. <laughs> Gone. <laughs> all right. Well, Zach, any thoughts on the Google wave? I have uh, absolutely nothing relevant to bring to this conversation. Since <laughs> and I never watched Firefly. Or uh, so. <laughs> we still what love you, but what it's do a little do, bit Zach? less. We love you like I don't know, Zach. We Long love you time. like you're adopted. <laughs> no. You just have invisible arguments with people about the PS3. Well, to tell you the you? truth. I'm not really a nerd or a geek or anything. I totally played oh, football in high school. And, oh, you know, I can't even talk to you. Oh, I'm into marital sex, so, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Come on, dude. There's no reason to lie. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to something that you can contribute to, Zach, and that is geek music. And uh, this is a very broad topic, and I think we've got we've got some of the best minds in the industry. Uh, so let's just jump right in there. Geek music. I want to. I want to. We have a lot of subtopics, but I want to throw this out there first. What do you consider geek music? I mean, I talk about music that's geeky, and there, there's kind of. I don't just consider like Kirby Crackle is a band that makes comic book and video game inspired music, mm-hmm. and that's obviously geeky. But I don't consider that the extent of geeky music. I also consider to some extent like a lot of the indie stuff that's going on geeky. Lyrics are sort of literary and his music is complex. So what about you guys? What do you think of as geeky music? I think of a, I think a sort of music geek as another sort of sub subgenre of geek in the same way that you might be a geek about comic books or, um, you know, like programming or something. It, whatever makes a person like dig through crates of LPs, trying to find like rare singles and stuff, I think is the same mechanism that fuels all geekiness. So, you know, I, I think anything with that, anything with that level of dedication and sort of the potential to harm your social life, 
should be considered geeky right off the bat. All right, fair Maybe. enough. Um, Jay, do you have any criteria for sort of geeky music or music that you like because you're a geek? Um, I don't know. I, I think the largest thing in this kind of category is I, I've i tried to share uh, the Decemberists with people who are not either avid music lis- listeners uh, or I don't know how to put it really. I mean, or maybe... Or maybe can't handle lyrics about uh, I don't know you, you know the Decemberists right I mean they're they're kind of weird they're kind of quirky they sing about weird things the guy's voice is a little bit weird they have a lot of non-typical instrumentation stuff like that and um, I try and get them to listen to it they're like uh what is this and then they think I am a geek for liking that music so. I don't know, I guess that, that is my criteria, is any kind of music that, when people go, what are you freaking listening to, you know, so. It's weird to me, I, I think that's a great example, the Decemberists are a great example of sort of music being geeky, but they're on a they're on a major label now, you know, they, they're on Capitol Records, I think, mm-hmm. um, and so there's got to be some sort of, you know, you know there's sort of geeky music. Like I guess all geek culture is just breaking through to the mainstream, becoming sort of another, another commodity. Ugh. <laughs> Gross. That, God, that felt awful when I said that. Right yeah. there. It wasn't supposed to be all bad. I mean, something as weird as the Decemberists being on a major label should be kind of exciting, right? Um, but I guess not for us because well, we were there first, right? I think. Yeah, I think that that you hit the nail on the head, and we've got to get over the idea that mainstream adoption taints something that we already liked. Well, now, to the extent that it changes it. If it doesn't the, change well, it, I don't uh, care. Right, and, and I agree with that. But I think there, there's a natural flinch sort of thing that happens when we hear about the Decemberists, for instance, being on Capitol Records just because we, we anticipate the change before the change really arrives. But if you look at Colin Malloy, is that a guy who's the front man for the Decemberists? Is that a guy who's going to write something that makes sense to more people because his record label wants him to? No. His, their music has gotten weirder yes. ever since they've been on Capitol. That's <laughs> true. As actually. <laughs> they started writing songs about shapeshifters and shit. And, like, <laughs> that's after the, you know, they were on, they were on like a little indie label before that. And, and they started getting this major label back in and they start writing songs about infant killing, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's pretty punk rock. That's true. And Valerie Plame. Valerie. Yeah. Plame. Uh, anyway, we could wax Decemberists for a long time, and we shouldn't. What do you want to do? It would certainly be a disservice to our audience. What? Hmm? Hmm? Um, so yeah, uh, geeky music is good. Rev, do you have any music that you consider geeky that that you like slash enjoy? Well, I have a hard time distinguishing between the weird music, I guess, and this kind of plays off John. But the uh, weird music that I listen to and the indie music that I listen to and the music that I really think is geeky, um, I actually feel that me being a 20-something-year-old listening to uh, classical music like for hours on end is kind of geeky. So, I mean, there's that distinction. Um and then being able to jump to like 
something super indie than jumping to uh, maybe even like a techno trance just to do my work, you know? Um, I do have a question. What do you consider super indie? Uh, Dashboard confessional. No, <laughs> actually, I need to Your hair me. is everywhere. Seawolf. I kind of consider them indie. Mm. All right. Um, Iron and Wine. Uh, gosh, I don't know. Everything that I'm listening to right now. <laughs> Everything. I'm Everything that I'm enjoying at this moment. <laughs> I mean, well, I know you linked you linked Pomplamoose earlier. Yeah, well, that's, that's I've actually like, listened to more Jack Conti than Pomplamoose. Yeah, I was the one who linked that. So, but that, that's like if that's not indie, like they only exist on YouTube. Yeah, that, and that's, that's pretty uh, freaking yeah. indie. That's pretty. Oh yeah, indie. by the way, they do you have know their... who showed me Pomplamoose? What? Do you know who showed me Pomplamoose? Who? The Benson. Oh, very nicely yes. done, Vince. I am telling you. Dude, Next week. That guy the is the cheese. Mm-hmm. This mysterious dude. Yeah. Yeah. We, we will never meet him or know him, but we're all impressed all by him. John's met him. Mm, yeah. Met him. That's true. Uh, Pete has met him. Shader's met him. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've got some bands. I just fired up my iTunes. <laughs> uh, I've, I've, so many times, Dave, you can attest to this. How many times have I told you to listen to Bat for Lashes? How many times have I told you to listen to Bat for Lashes? Are you kidding me? I had their new CD before you did, Zuh. That's false, because I had nope. it before. Uh, what? Nah, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you uh, called me about that record. I call, yeah, Andy, I left you a voicemail telling you to listen to it, and you still haven't. It's I, I, like I had it, I had a 12-year-old, the, the lyrics are like a 12-year-old's like wet dream. Like, Gross. I kid you not. Like, not like mine. I'm not even kidding. Oh. And then watch the videos. <laughs> maybe the Andy version's like a nine-year-old. Maybe oh. six. Maybe six. Wow, there's that rating. Yikes! <laughs> Once you're done uh, listening to some of the some of Bat for Lashes, then go online and watch some of the videos, and you will laugh. How hard? Uh, oh, they're phenomenal. Should we so, should we in the show notes maybe maybe throw together some bands we've all been listening yeah, to? Yeah, that's that's work for, for Dave. You don't want to ask him to no, do work. No, it's not. Nope, Rev's doing that. Oh, now. cool. Yeah, there you go. Um, have you guys ever? Uh, do you guys listen to Ben Folds? Is that considered geeky? That's a question. Oh yes. yes. I don't think okay. so. Oh come on. Really? Oh wait, wait. Because it also it fit. It's kind of shares the niche of the uh, college d bag that likes Dave Matthews. Hmm. I, I know a lot of pretty girls that listen to Ben Folds. Well, pretty, pretty girls, girls cannot share our, our hobbies. Okay, here's one. That's pretty girls can't there. share our hobbies. <laughs> sorry, sorry, female listeners. You may, <laughs> you may have just learned something about yourself, and I'm sorry about that. Yeah, oh, you rejected us in high you. school. We can't accept you in our stuff now. <laughs> We're rejecting you now. <laughs> right? That's basically what you're saying, isn't it? Well, I've got some deeply repressed issues. I don't really want to work out right now. <laughs> All right, well, we'll deal with that later. <laughs> Let's just move on. So back to bad for lashes, Rev. Go ahead. No, uh, I'm I'm past that. Okay, uh, sorry. Now, I, this is a question He's for Andy. beyond that now. Uh, have you, Andy, have you listened to Her Space Holiday? A little bit, yeah. I have one of their records. Yeah, that's it's a really, um, I don't know, I, this is it's one of the most geeky things I think I've listened to. Because, like, I can't sing. 
And his beats are kind of fresh, but... His beats are kind of fresh? It's geeky. Yeah, that was a good choice. And it's kind of... I have, the, I have uh, the album, uh, Homeless Where You Hang Yourself. <laughs> that's a, that's I haven't listened good. to that one. <laughs> it's pretty, horrible. uh, pretty dour. <laughs> yeah. Dour. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't know. So you were, you were, do you have more bands to list off there, Rev? I have I have more. I think a lot of it is lyrics, 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 lyrics. And um, I mean, I consider Led Zeppelin a geeky band because of their lyrical content. Yeah, that's fair enough. I don't care that like half the people that grew up in my parents. Oh no, not my parents' day, but my wife's parents' day. Uh, absolutely love them. But um, I mean, they're on like, and you guys are gonna. I'm glad that I'm tens of miles away and thousands of miles away from some of you. I could but, be at uh, your house in seven minutes. Good. Um, <laughs> I would say the killer's lyrics are uh, exceptional. And a lot of people don't feel that. They don't like the killer's period, but really I like them because of the lyrics. Um, and I find that geeky. So... For me, it's the lyrical content. Yeah, I think appreciating ex- exceptional lyricism is, I think that might be a geekier quality, which is probably why uh, nerdcore came about to an extent, right? Because, oh, man. because hip-hop actually, as far as I can tell, and despite my previous uh, statements about hip-hop, uh, allegedly, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that it is like... It is a vac- I don't know. It can be a lot of things, but when it's good, it's really a vocabulary lesson. That's my point. Yeah. I'm sticking to it. I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. We can agree on that. All right. All right. Well, let's... World peace is possible. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Building bridges. Okay, you still like bad movies. <laughs> can't even handle you. I still can't handle you. <laughs> Let's kick it over to Big Zach. Zach, is there any is there any music that you really enjoy that you'd consider geeky? And if you don't have an answer for this, I kind of do. So go ahead. Oh, I do have an answer, but uh, I'm kind of with with Rev on this one. It's all about lyrics for me, and I think uh, geeky music can be defined as uh, like music that you have to kind of do research in order to completely uh, understand. I guess an example of this for me would be. The epic song Twenty One Twelve by Rush, because uh, I listen to that. What? Because uh, I listened to that that whole side of the album, right? And I was really interested by the what was going on. So I read the liner notes and discovered that the drummer Neil Peart got a lot of the ideas from that for that song from a book called Anthem by this author yeah, Ayn Rand. Yeah, and I oh god. I want to get into that because that is a pretty incredible book right there. But that you is know, an amazing book. Uh, Tool also, I would consider them geeky because you know they did a whole record that uh, kind of correlates with the Fibonacci sequence. So, <laughs> oh, what's up now, Jay? Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> Wait, am I, I'm supposed to care? Was that was that it just then? <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. It, right about now. What, what's the name of that record? I have to be fair. I'm gonna have to be fair. What's the name of that record? Lateralis. Is that a word? Is that? Is that... It's a made-up word. Okay. 
I guess. I don't know. Which is geeky. The song, Tolkien made up. The song Lateralis 2 is actually... Oh, the lyrical pacing in that song is exactly like the Fibonacci sequence. Like, the number of... Uh, Number of syllables in the words he says in the lines go like one one two three five eight thirteen and then eight five three two one one. Wow, you just recited you that means. right there. Damn. Yeah. You said you're not a geek I'm... like ten minutes ago. You realized that, right? <laughs> no, I know. I'm a geek. Well, I gotta say, after the MST3K debacle and the Firefly, uh, that horrendous, horrendous Firefly admission, you, you've you've earned your way back into the circle of of geekiness. There, Zach. Congratulations. Nice. Oh, Can I make uh, one more, one more uh, su- like sort of example slash suggestion of really geeky music? No, yeah, no, yeah, we're, we're yeah, definitely. Talking. We don't have time for that. Do you want to talk? No. Okay. I think um, I think one of the the geekiest and most wonderful uh, batches of music that's come out in the last maybe twenty years comes from a group called the Elephant Six Collective. Um, you guys at all familiar with with them? No. Pachyderms. Mm. Silence. So basic, basically their story is that they were growing up. Um, they grew up in this basically small southern town together, the core the core group. And sort of all their all the other people at high school were, were jocks. And, and they were sort of stuck in their room listening to old Beatles records and just making these incredible, this incredible psychedelic music uh, in their bedrooms together. Um and Gary. a bunch of really great bands formed out of that. <laughs> the uh, the Olivia Tremor Control, and uh, I'm going to continue as if as if. That's <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I couldn't help it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> um, so yeah, like bands like the Olivia Tremor Control, and uh, Neutral Milk Hotel, and uh, the Apples and Stereo. Um, all really amazing bands that have that sort of all began because of a sort of geeky situation, um, and really have nothing to do with sort of music being cool, and have everything to do with just enthusiasm and and heart and just absolute sonic weirdness. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna take that phrase because I think that's awesome, and I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that sonic weirdness is something that I consider geeky. I mean, I know it's sort of edgy to be weird, like Wilco did that a lot, especially in Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. They've gotten more away from it in their most recent, especially their most recent two albums, which are a lot more melodic and a lot less sort of frenetic. Interesting? Sorry. A lot less interesting, yeah. No, I mean, that's fair. They're still catchy and they're still good, but they are a little bit less interesting. Um I really enjoyed their most recent. I really enjoy Wilco, but it. It's oh yeah, I, I do too. That wasn't fair. It's not the same experience as Yankee Hotel Foxtrot by. Not even a small stretch. Not even like right. a pinky stretch. Right. So. And if uh, that's considered geeky, then I just watched the uh, "I'm Trying to Break Your Heart" documentary last week uh, as well. Love it. So, awesome. So love good. it. I watched that for the first time with you, Andy. And I was I was remembering yeah, that what? the first time I ever listened to Wilco was heavy metal drummers in the parking lot near the film department in your car. Yep, I remember that. That was wow. great. That was a great. That was a good. That, that was a turning point album for me. Yeah. I remember first time I ever listened to Wilco. I don't remember where it was, but it was definitely like my car with Jay, and I think it was Camera. Yeah. Nice. Magic. Anyway, I think that was a, that was a big watershed record for. A lot of people sort of turning them on to sure. sort of artier music and and geekier music in general. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely indie at that point. Oh, Andy, I need you to write a blog post about arty slash geeky music, please. Will do. Get All on right, it. Thank you. 
Thank you. Okay. Well, jeez. Uh, I mean, we've we've ridden that horse. Our listeners are probably like, I don't even know. I hate music. <laughs> I'm James Mason. This isn't about wow. No, really, Adam. Really, Adam. <laughs> so let's move to the next. Wow. Really, Adam. So let's move to the next, which is key music, and I want to start with uh, Zach, since since we didn't really give him a lot of chance to talk. Zach, how do you obtain your music? Is it geeky, or are you more of a traditionalist like our friend Jay? Um, I don't know. I used to buy a lot of CDs back in the old high school days, but now it's pretty me because I got I got a Zoom, so I just with, with, the, with the Zoom software. Hey, you know what? Zooms are awesome. <laughs> no, we can't laugh. Stop. For our listeners who don't know, that is Jay's laughter. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. And it will go on it's pretty much in that way, just so you know. It's great. No, but seriously. You know what? With the Zoom software, you can Zoom pay pass. $15. Yes, pay fifteen dollars right? a month and download all the music you want. There. That and the Pirate Bay. That's how I get my <laughs> I'm going to go to jail now. Uh, well, I, I rely pretty heavily on iTunes for a lot of my music. And um, I, know a lot, I know a lot of people are probably in that same boat. Many of my friends. I think, Rev, you get most of your stuff through iTunes at this point, right? Well, if I want the CD jacket, I get it from Target. So December stuff you get from Target. Basically. One way, um, I've been, I, I've got two ways that I like to get music that I think are both kind of geeky. Um, one is the service eMusic. I don't know if you guys have used that at all. Um, I've been using it since the early days of college, and it's, it's basically sort of a, uh, you, you pay like 20 bucks a month and get a certain, or you pay a certain amount a month and get certain downloads, and it's a better rate than like iTunes. And it has most indie labels and a few major labels, and it's a great way to sort of, purchase albums without sort of taking the full financial hit from them, um, which is cool. And then I also have been buying a lot of vinyl lately, actually, like new vinyl, um, because I found that CDs, the only thing I ever geek? do with them... I am, I am a geek uh, when, it comes to, when it comes to music, amongst other things. But a lot of new vinyl nowadays, because I, I don't think people really buy CDs anymore. Um, and, and so... A lot of people, they'll sell you the vinyl copy of the record for a free digital download. Really? Um, and so you get the artifact. You get something wow. that sounds better than any digital format. And then you also get a digital copy that is, you know, almost always DRM-free. Um, and it seems to me the best of both worlds. You get sort of the audiophile thing. You get the, the album art, that whole experience. And you get the freedom of the digital music, uh, which I think is just fabulous. I, I hope the trend continues. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah the, the new uh, Brendan, the new Brendan Benson record um, that just came out. I, I bought on vinyl just last week, and it came with a digital download code, and it sounds great on both formats. That's awesome. Very nice. Now I want to kind of change gears here, and I want to talk about how we find our new music. And for me, I find my new music by talking to Andy. <laughs> so I guess I should say, Andy, how do you find your new music? Well, um, other than the time-honored file sharing of, of, of friends giving you stuff. Um, Napster. You know, pre, pre-file sharing, file sharing. Yeah, Napster I use a lot. 
Um, and <laughs> I t- I'm time travel back into uh, 1998. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> download music. All your music I picks do. are pre-98. <laughs> I think, uh, well, one way, one way I learn a lot, I learn about new music quite a bit is, um, I think this is, this site is so big and so influential in the indie world that it's, it's I got a lot of backlash against it and just a whole lot of controversy. And that's pitchfork.com, pitchfork media. Um, which is sort of, I mean, it's sort of a kind of a kingmaker in the indie world. If you get a good review on Pitchfork, you'll probably be really successful with your, with whatever album they're hyping. And then like a bad review can really hurt you. Um, so they're kind of a, they, but they, they do review like five records a day. And so I think they're a really good resource for that. And then I also really like the, uh, the podcast sound opinions, which is, uh, two, the two rock and roll critics. In, uh, from two Chicago papers, uh, it's an NPR show, and they uh, they review records and, and interview people. That's really great. So those are the two main methods by which I discovered new music and a couple other blogs. So it's very geeky the way the way I discovered. Yeah, that's that's like all internet. I mean, one is a podcast that you don't. Yeah. The only thing geeky is when listening to podcasts is being on them. <laughs> uh. Anyways, Rev, what about you? How do you find, like, Iron and Wine and Seawolf? Um, uh, Home Depot and Bethmo. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I go on iTunes, or back when I was on Rhapsody, I did the same thing. Uh, I'll just click through, like, 30 albums in less than an hour, which means I'm clicking through listening to, like, it's kind of giving some albums a bad rap because on iTunes now I only listen to the 30 seconds and uh, I make quick ju- judgments on whether or not I like the album. Because I'm really, you know, I mean, we could talk all night about my opinions on what is good music. <laughs> yes, you're, you're one of the most specific people I know. Yeah, and so <laughs> if it doesn't have all those things, especially the... Uh, uh, the singing, the singer's voice. Um, then uh, I just pass it by, and so I, I'm able to go through a lot of music in a really short amount of time and find those nuggets. And I find, I mean, just personally, I have a lot. I have a really narrow view on what I like um, in each genre, so it's it works for me. And I know that that wouldn't work for other people because. If I go through 30 albums and I find one that I like, I can guarantee that you would like maybe five or six of those albums. And so my method doesn't I think, work. I think that's me. kind of a dig, actually. What do you mean? If you go through 30 and you find one that you like, you can guarantee that I would like five of the 30? Well, <sighs> no, you have a higher tolo- tolerance for... Uh, oh. for or le- What's what? the other... What? Wow. Uh, more appreciation <laughs> for for uh, vocal talent. Uh, <laughs> Translation: You like shit. I don't. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, I mean, but I'm I am definitely giving you a hard time. I know what you mean. Like, as a for instance, I'm a big fan of John Mayer, and his voice greats for you. I know you don't really enjoy him, and I understand that. Even though he is a fantastic guitarist, which is something else. Fantastic guitarist and lyricist 
in my opinion. I just yeah. I can't listen to him. Yeah, no, that's fine. Well, I I can listen to him, but ever since I discovered that he every fiber of his being wants to be Stevie Ray Vaughan, I just listen to Stevie Ray Vaughan. So, <laughs> <laughs> like honestly, it's back like when I uh... he uses the same the same effects on his guitar as he does. Like if you listen to them side by side, he's using the same pedals and effects almost identically. Well, it's like uh, back in the day when I was back in the high school when I was listening to like emo music, and then I listened to Sunny Day Real Estate for the first time, and I was like, "Well, I've wasted three years of my life. <laughs> Let's move on to something else." <laughs> you went out and immediately got a haircut, huh? I um, I stopped wearing just black band T-shirts. Well, that's uh, a step in the right direction. Nice. All right. Uh, Zach, do you have any any specific means for finding new music aside from you know friends handing you a CD and telling you it's awesome? Yes, I have one like really really geeky way I guess, and that's through StumbleUpon. I don't know if any of you know what that is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's how I discovered Pomplamoose actually. What what and is I, it? Can you can you explain it? Yeah, it's it's like a thing that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's an application for Firefox, and basically, I don't know if it's just for Firefox. I know it's not for Google Chrome. That's why that's the sole reason I don't use Google Chrome. But anyway, you basically tell it what kind of things you like, and it randomly finds things on the internet related to the things that you tell it. So it's really that's cool. It's cool for discovering anything new, I guess. And it's all based off of user content, user votes, basically. Yeah, yeah. You tell it what you like and what you don't like, and it. You know, alters the results, the future results based on that information. Very cool. And then Jay as the last one on the. I mean, I already said mine is Andy. So Jay as the, as the last person on the uh, docket. Do you have any means? Stumbleupon's great. Uh, Jay, do you have anything that? Can I can I say my phrase? iTunes has single handed. No, no, no it's it doesn't fit. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, uh. <laughs> um. No, honestly, finding new music, there was a, a site I used a long time ago, and I, I honestly, I can't remember what it is, maybe one of you does, and if you typed in a band name, it would kind of diagram out bands with similar interests in a really cool way of kind of listening and discovering new artists, and I'll have to find out what it's called again. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember, remember that yeah. too, but I don't remember what it was called either. Yeah. That I, was neat. Yeah, it was pre-delicious days, so I couldn't have delicious it if I wanted to. Um and uh, it was pretty neat. I wonder if I, I wonder if I can find it again. Um, I don't think you know how long Delicious has been around. Mm. Uh, but since you don't use it even now, like... don't you think that everything for you is still pre-Delicious days? I use it. <laughs> since when? I've got like three things in there. <laughs> is that wow. what it's for? Anyway. And, oh, okay, um, no, so Andy and uh, Delicious, uh, I, I use. I you too. <laughs> no, no, but for a real thing I do use, I use Last.fm a lot. I listen to it eight hours a day at work every day. And um, I'll just basically run over every time you hear a song I like and click the I like button. And then what I'll do when I'm thinking I need a new album is I'll go over and I'll bring up the things I liked. And a lot of times you can listen to the band's actual song again. I'll listen to the song and be like, oh, yeah, I really did like that. And that's kind of how I discovered new artists. So anything you see that I link on uh, Twitter, for those of you who follow me, uh, that's usually where I get it. And that's also knowable by the fact that most of the links are Last FM links. So. Huh. 
That's interesting. I was I just had a thought pop into my head. We know that Pandora is a music created. Yep. It creates radio stations, and it was built around um, the Music Genome Project. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of wondering, since that's a it's an open database, I'm kind of wondering if there are other sites, sort of what you guys were talking about, that like shows other bands that are sort of related to your band. If there are other sites that take you advantage of the Music Genome Project and create visual like groupings of bands that are similar. Homework for our listeners. There you go. If you guys find out, you let us know. Really? We will be laying here sipping. We're tired of looking this stuff up. Yeah, it's hard. It's not our job. Come on, lazy (laughs) listeners. (laughs) All right, and let's let's move on to the last uh, subtopic here, and then we'll be closing off the podcast pretty soon. I want to share a story, and then I'm going to kick it over to Andy, who I think is the only other person who's really qualified to talk about it. Uh, I follow (laughs) – sorry, sorry, you other people. I follow – and I'm I'm not qualified to talk about it for the record. I just have an experience that I want to share. But I follow John Mayer, who who we just talked about a minute ago, on Twitter. And John Mayer has been in the process of creating a new album over the last couple months, and he has been tweeting about it. On a pretty regular basis, I would say at least a couple times a week, he tweets something about how the album is in progress and all this stuff, and certain things that he's doing, like how he's writing a new song, or how a certain song sounds so much better if you're depressed when you perform it or whatever. And uh, <clears throat> so I found out through Twitter that he just finished it, just mastered it, and got the final master last night. Uh, this would have been Saturday evening, October 10th, and was listening to it. And so that kind of makes me, I guess, more excited about the album, because it's not necessarily that I, I've been in any way involved in it, but I've seen it kind of over the last couple months developing, and I've seen his updates on it. And I think that's been getting me more involved and more excited. And now I know that like the master is done, uh, it's going to be coming out in November. It's it's already like he did the album art and all this stuff. And I don't know. I don't think I would be as like I probably wouldn't find out until like November when the album was actually coming out because I'm a huge slacker on like following news and stuff. But um, what? No, I was honestly clearing my throat. Oh no, right. Um, <laughs> but for me, that was kind of a very geeky, what I want to talk about is geeky ways of spreading the word about music, especially if you're an artist. And for me, that's a very geeky thing, but it was just sort of what he does naturally. He was just talking about work, which is a very natural thing for people to do with Twitter, or I guess with any social media, is kind of just talk about work, because you spend so much time doing it. Um, But it had the effect, I'm sure, of generating some excitement in his fan base. So I kind of want to know, like, have you guys seen anything like that? Obviously, Andy, we know that you create music. You you craft it out of, like, whole cloth. I steal it. You yeah. steal it. <laughs> so I'm just kind of wondering, like, how do you engage people, and what do you do? Do you do anything? Um, well, for me, mostly, um, I, I'm at the stage where it's all about just playing shows and trying to get people to accidentally come to those shows. And uh, and so, honestly, the biggest tool I have right now, and I can't, it, it'll take you back to 2003, um, is is still MySpace. Because um, when everybody else, everybody else has stopped using MySpace, but if you're trying to get booked for a show, the only thing that promote like the, the guy who books for the club or the bar or whatever, 
all they want to do is to have you send them their MySpace so they can listen to your music and see how many fans you have. Um, so, honestly, that's, honestly, that's, yeah. that's horrific. Please change the industry. <laughs> <laughs> is, who is that guy? Because that guy is mirroring the actions of mainstream media. Where it's like Absol- no, a month absolutely. and a half after it's not cool anymore, he's like, okay. This I've heard about push. this MySpace thing. Yeah. <laughs> Ready? Everyone, this is the future, guys. <laughs> but, um, I mean, the fact of the matter is the bar or whatever, they don't care about being cool. They care about selling beer, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're just looking for the way to find out who's... So I'm going through the process right now of... I've got sort of a new musical project going on, and I'm going to have to create a new MySpace for it in, in 2009. So I can get so I can get shows for it. Um, People drink beer that use Facebook too, and Twitter. Yeah, I do. That's that's when, <laughs> once I, I mean that's how I get the shows out to my friends because that's about the only people you can get to come see you right at sometimes. And so every single show I play, I make a huge Facebook invite, inviting everybody within a hundred mile radius. Um, but I'm really interested. I'm interested to see how people use Twitter. I'm interested to see how people use these other sort of social tools um, to to promote. I, but I think I think I'm still at the sort of first step kind of phase where it's like, well, let's get people to notice I exist and then I can sort of communicate with them to continue excitement about my music. I'm well, excited Andy, about if, your music. If there's one thing that's, that you're good at, it's continuing excitement. That's what I, I, I feel like I'm in a party up. right now. <laughs> in your pants. <laughs> You know, you're a rock star. Get the game on. Go play. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and that's our singing quota for the evening. Yep, that's the end. Speaking of quotas, we're also at our podcast quota for the evening. That's pretty much all we've got to offer you guys, unless uh, Captain uh, Big Che uh, Graham over there has anything else to add. Big Che? Uh, nope. Yeah. <laughs> Look at you the haven't call. seen my uh, Twitter. Picture or his Skype oh, it icon? Is, it is pretty sexy. Oh, it? It's pretty, pretty sexy, right? Yeah, pretty J. Yeah, like it. Although, <laughs> Rev, is that the solidarity fist from? If you love yourself some communist bloodthirsty murderers, then yeah, it's pretty J. No, no, it's not. You're right. It's in a star. All right, you say bloodthirsty murderer. I say revolutionary, revolutionary. freedom fighter. Right? Yeah, <laughs> Me, you I say know. potato. Uh, I say oh. shirt selling icon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all they were thinking about. She's like, I, I could make money off some shirts if I can stay alive. <laughs> Which is really capitalistic if you think about it. Yeah, let's not be so pissed. Anyways, MST3K, uh, go. What? MST3K, let's go. Come on, get oh, off this podcast. Yeah. Go watch it. it. Well, we're going to watch some uh, MST3K. We're going to leave you guys here um, with no more podcasts to listen to, unfortunately. We have a special place in our heart for each and every one of you. And I want to say to you from us that we like heart you. I can't bring myself to really say it. We have positive feelings towards you. Yeah. So thanks for listening to the show. Especially if you give us positive feedback. We'll have more... Google Wave invites. Oh, or Google for Andy. Either or, we're open. We're that. And you way. can find you can find Andy to deliver his Google Wave invite. You can contact him uh, through Twitter 
at twitter.com slash Andrew McAlpine. I got it right this time, didn't I? Sure that. It's magical. You can find Jay at twitter.com slash Tessin. You can find Rev at twitter.com slash revoked. And Big Zach is at twitter.com slash big underscore Zach. And myself, of course, David Eagle, twitter.com slash CD Eagle. You can find Borked at borkedcast.com or on iTunes where you need to leave a five-star review and a lovely uh, rating review system thing there. So go do that right now. We'll wait. Are you done? Yep. Good. <laughs> so thank you thank you very much for that review you just left. We really appreciate it. And uh, we had a good time recording the show. Any any final thoughts from anyone, guys? Final closing thoughts? Stay nerdy, everybody, please. If you oh, won't, okay. who will? Go we'll buy some PS3s, people. Come on. Yeah, and Zooms. We <laughs> 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 can squirt music at each other. It'll be awesome. Did you just say we can squirt music at each other? I don't know what they call it. Three days and three plays. <laughs> Welcome to this Go forth. <laughs> oh Go forth, squirt music on everyone around you. Don't do it. <laughs> please. <laughs> Please buy a Zoom and a PS3 so Zach won't be the only one. <sighs> All right. Well, we really enjoyed recording this episode of Borked for you. We hope you enjoyed listening to it. Please do get in contact with us. Drop us an email at we at borkedcast.com. Give us some feedback. Give us your thoughts. We will read every single email on the air. And if there's a lot of profanity, I will make Jay read it, and then we'll bleep it out. Perfect. How did I That's all we got for this swearer. week. <laughs> the designated swearer. The designated swearer. Ah. I didn't All ask right. for this role, but I will play it. <laughs> no, guys. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is where the podcast falls apart. <laughs> we usually end the show. It's really, really long. Huh? <laughs> end it out. Just end it now. Ready? Until next time. Right. Stay, Stay nerdy. Nerdy. Stay. Stay. <laughs> nerdy. All I can think about is the MST3K doors shutting. Shoop. <laughs> 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 <laughs>